Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Strike Gold. So this is a fun episode because we have Gilead from Hyper with us, but it's a sad episode because Jonathan is not here today. So um, so it's going to be me and Gil and I'm going to interview Gil about Hyper and a little bit about on how they grew, but mostly a lot about influencer marketing and how to do it right. Let's go straight at it. Gil, you're here? I'm here. Hey, Thanks man, for how having are you? me. Thanks for coming, you know. Thanks for uh, saying yes. This is the first time we're doing uh, uh, an online interview because you are right now in New York, I guess? I am. I'm in the World Trade Center. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's the first time we're doing this online. So, there might be some technical issues. We hope that there won't be any. But there might be. And you know what? This podcast is free. So, uh it is what it is. Anyway, so Gil, uh, before we even start talking about the amazing things you've done, I want to first let people know what Hyper is um, and why you are the person to talk to speak with about influencer marketing. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, so Hyper is a tool that helps understand um, who impacts uh, which audiences online. Uh, we look at influencer marketing differently than um, a lot of the people in the industry in that we don't really care about the identity of the influencer so much. We think influencers are replaceable. Uh, what we care about is audiences and how do you reach an audience through influential people. So number of followers or engagement rate are secondary um, to us. And what we really care about is what happens in a specific context. If you speak about a specific subject, does an audience respond and which audience responds to that? The examples we always give are things like, let's say you wrote a book about how to be a grandmaster chess player. Um, is Kim Kardashian the person who's going to sell that book? Or are there other people online who might be a lot smaller? But when they talk about um, chess, then um, people, the relevant audience listens. And that's what Hyper is about, finding those individuals and, and, and reaching out to them and connecting with them and activating them. Okay, so, so basically, Hyper is the platform where if, let's say, I'm a brand, you give me a marketplace between brands and influencers, and I can find the relevant influencer for what I'm trying to promote. Except we don't have an active marketplace. We look at influencers as a commodity, meaning we don't actually have relationships with any influencer. We'll give you thousands of options based on okay. the audience that you want to reach out to and the contact information, and we'll give you tools That'll do the outreach, but we don't actually have, Hyper doesn't have a relationship with any influencer whatsoever. Kind of like the Google idea from early on, which is we want you to know you're getting the best search results. There's, there's nothing impacting the selection or the recommendation except what our algorithm believes that within this specific context are the best influencers. So, so basically it's an exploration platform. Like I can find the right people and then I have to negotiate and engage with them. You have to negotiate and retain them. We give you different tools. We have a tool that we're about to release that uh, reaches out to, let's say you found 100 influencers that can hit your audience. It'll reach out to all of them. And um, only and you'll only have to deal with the ones that have opted in. It'll automatically send them a contract. It'll uh, recognize when a post has gone live. It'll pay them for you. So there's automation around a lot of the things that you have to do manually, but you still have to... Um, work with the influencers. We don't do creative. We don't do any campaigns, anything that's not 
automate uh, uh, that's hard to to automate or that we need special knowledge in like creative or um, how to run campaigns that are effective because of the content is not something that we deal with right okay so first of all because there's so many things that you've just said introducing hyper that I think are crazy in terms <laughs> of how the industry looks at influencer marketing and how influencers look at themselves and you're basically you have like a whole different approach saying influencers are a commodity is like basically telling millennials they were wrong oh my god so like this is crazy um, uh, but before before we go and then we start talking about how to do an amazing influencer marketing campaign, let's talk a little bit more about Hyper. Uh, you are one of the go-to companies, I think, in the world for brands who are looking to do influencer marketing and, and reach like big macro or micro influencers. You work with some really huge brands, right? Um, do you want to name drop some of your clients? I know, you know, we're limited by uh, disclosure uh, provisions, and I don't want to make any mistakes, but uh, the company's grown pretty fast. I'd say we uh, represent about 15 of the biggest 20 beauty brands in the world, 15 of the biggest um, consumer brands, video game. Uh, we have a pretty big um, fo- footstep right now, and some of them have, you know, really, really big accounts with us. Some of them just occasionally use the platform. Amazing. So, um do you want to, um, okay, so let's let's do talk a little bit about how Hyper started and how you guys grew, uh, because I think everybody is always excited to see how or to learn about how a company, especially you know, influencer marketing is so new and still upcoming. Um, so I think it is very interesting to hear about how a new company in a new field kickstarts and uh, and basically becomes so influential in such a actually short amount of time. It doesn't feel like a very short amount of time, a lot of sleepless nights. But, um, you know, I think there's a path that led me to Hyper. I was uh, an attorney in Israel for for many years. I didn't like it, um, but I was on this this golden cage of progress, and I was looking for my next opportunity. I decided to get an MBA in the U.S. I went to Kellogg, and during that MBA, I started working for a startup called Playdom, which developed games on on MySpace and uh, Facebook, and we were actually the, the biggest developer on MySpace, and I learned how to do online digital marketing. It was very, very different than being an attorney. It was all about the numbers. It was all about understanding how to make every single dollar that you spend reach an audience that might actually be interested in your game. And that company ended up getting sold to Disney, and I met a guy named Moshe Hogeg, uh, um while I was still in school, he was starting his out. Um, he was starting a company called Mobley. I was in school. I was kind of uh, I had a lot of free time. I said, "Let me help you out." And initially, we thought that I would come in and do some digital marketing, but um, he quickly came up with this idea that why don't we get celebrities to work with us and um, and use the platform to drive users? And it sounded like a good idea. I said, "Let me let me lead that project," and I ended up doing about two hundred deals with celebrities or. Um, smaller, nobody called them influencers, but um, social media stars, people with big Twitter accounts, big YouTube accounts. And, so, uh, celebrity, like, I think Mobile was really well known for its celebrity appeal, actually. I think it yeah. had Leonardo DiCaprio as an investor and Serena Williams or Vanessa Williams, I'm not sure. Yeah. Maguire, right? Yeah, so we, we you know, we, we what started out as a... Uh, as a concept, took, really took form because we, we were lucky. It was a time where Facebook and Twitter were going public, and 
there was this narrative in, in, in the media that all these celebrities were being taken advantage of because, uh, look, you know, we're contributing so much content. Supposedly, Justin Bieber was responsible to 4% of the traffic on, on Twitter uh, servers, and you're not getting anything out of these IPOs. And we, we came out with this narrative saying, come invest in our company or come work with us and you'll, we're the next thing, visual social network. And we had that right. You know, we had the Instagram concept right. We obviously didn't perform as well as they did. But the concept was, you know, come be a part of this company. And it really worked because of, of kind of writing that narrative and um, that understanding that influ- celebrities were disappointed that Facebook and Twitter were going to make so much money. They felt like they contributed to their growth, but they didn't uh, benefit from that. And it ended up working really well at that time. I don't know if it could if it would work the same way today. Mm-hmm. How did, you, how did you reach out to the first celebrities? What did you do? Uh, the story with DiCaprio is actually a really interesting story, and that was the first major celebrity that we landed. Um, one of our investors, uh, and I, I actually don't even know exactly what, how it happened now that I think of it, but was at an L.A. Lakers game. And it's possible that he had already known DiCaprio. I'm not sure, but they were se- he was seated very close to Leonardo DiCaprio, and he was um, – using an early, early version of the Mobley app. And he um, somehow sparked an interest with DiCaprio. And he said to him, look, this is a, this is the future. And I think one of the things that at least the, the urban legend is that he said to him, from now on, paparazzi won't be able to bother you because you'll have this app and you'll be able to send photos to anyone, anytime. And all your fans can see it. And DiCaprio really liked it. Um, he ended That's up, uh, sorry, go ahead. That's a really good pitch. Yeah, um, I wasn't there. This is the story that's kind of the story that came in through the company. I know that DiCaprio was excited about the concept, and he ended up meeting Moshiko, uh, and they hit it off. And I did the paperwork. Uh, (laughs) But um, the concept worked really well. And then from that point on, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, the one thing you could say about him as an investor – uh, was that he was very active in introducing us to other people. And just having him involved made it really easy. It, it wasn't a, a time where you had people representing social media stars or, or anything. So for the big celebrities, we went through direct introductions or through agents like WME and, and CAA. Um, and then for the social media stars, there was actually a guy in the company who um, – his name was Shmuley, and he was just unbelievable at getting them to answer <laughs> – and he worked with me and my team, and uh, he would just uh, we would just target as many as we could. We ended up doing about 200 deals over a three-year period. And what we recognized was amazing. It was that these social stars are performing a lot better for us than maybe um, enormous, um, enormous, enormous superstars. You know, we also had Lance Armstrong before the drug confession and um, Toby Maguire and, and – um, while they were driving traffic, we, these these um, social media stars or YouTubers were driving tremendous amounts of traffic that was staying on the platform. And I had this insight that said, wait a second, you know, there's an opportunity here. And a lot of people are, go- are not going to be able to afford to work with Serena Williams or um, Justin Bieber, but they're going to be able to work with these smaller stars on social. And what really bugged me that whole time was I had no data. I would never spend any money uh, on any, any advertising channel without knowing which, who reads this magazine, who watches this TV show. And yet I was working with these social media influencers or celebrities and I knew nothing about their audience. 
And I knew nothing about how to find others. I just had to sit there on the platforms and look for people. And when I found somebody interesting, I'd reach out. And that's what, when I left Mobley, um, led to the birth of Hyper, this idea that everybody's going to want to be working with these smaller influencers because they're a great channel to get to an audience. But in order for this to really scale, you need to have quick discovery. So you need to know which alternatives you have to use. You need to have automated tools to reach out because if you have to reach out to 100 and only 10 are going to answer, it's just not scalable. But if you have a bot that's doing it for you, you can do it. And then you have to have meaningful tracking and measurement to understand which what's performing well and what's not performing. If you think about it, at the end of the day, Hyper didn't invent anything. We just took the traditional digital marketing uh, uh, model and we were applying it to influencers. And the reason why we go to micro-influencers is because usually they have a uniform audience. So you're not a micro-influencer in general. You're a micro-influencer about cooking right. or about sports or about chess or about um, something. Like the best segment, segmented ads. Yeah, so, that, so that's our way to target. Uh, right. And then automation is our AdWords, right, is our way to uh, get get them to uh, to activate and get the ads on. And then tracking and uh, reporting is does two things. One is it finds out which influencers didn't perform well and it kind of cuts them out and which ones performed well. And then we look for twins. And when we think about twins, it's twofold. It's people who have a similar um uh, presence, you know, they talk about the same things. They have this, their audience has the same interests, and actually, people who have the same audience. Uh, and if and here's here's the big secret, right? Um, if you have a thousand ways to get to an audience, because there are a thousand different people that reach that same audience, um, then now you, as an advertiser, can have all the power. Right. If you want to work with one influencer, they can dominate the conversation. And if you want to work, you need Kylie Jenner. She's going to tell you what terms she wants, how much money she wants, when this can go live. She's going to want to control the content. And rightfully so, because there's only one Kylie Jenner. But if you yeah. want to reach teenage girls in New York City that are interested in fashion and have you know, disposable income, there are thousands of ways to get there. And now you can control the conversation and say, I'm paying this much. Um, to reach this this many girls, are you interested or are you not interested? And if not, the system is going to automatically go to a thousand other options. Amazing. So I want to ask you something, though. So you left Mobley, you started Hyper. Yeah. As Hyper, uh, how did you get? Did you first start getting influencers or trying to get clients who needed influencers? So Hyper doesn't work with any influencer at all. Um, right. We don't have a roster of influencers. We track about close to 10 million influencers right now and about a billion social accounts. But we don't have a direct relationship with any so let, me, let, let me wait, uh, change my question. Um, did you have an MVP you were doing before actually building the platform? Or did you just went on and build the entire thing? Oh, no, absolutely. We had an MVP. And the story is funny because um, I had – so somebody had forced <laughs> – a connection of ours had basically pressured somebody at a big, big brand company to meet with me. And uh, we had to get this MVP running before that meeting. And the MVP was basically, this was a very, very big alcohol company, maybe the biggest in the world, I'm not sure. And um, the MVP was supposed to show them how some of the influencers that they're working with don't reach the right audience, and, and some do, and how we could help them easily find the right ones. And it was clear that they didn't really want to meet with me, and I couldn't blame them. You know, It's a multi, multi-billion dollar company, some, some startup that clearly is showing you an MVP and not, not something complete. But when they 
when as soon as I showed it to them and their eyes kind of opened, they said, you have this kind of information about influencers and they wanted to get a subscription right away. Then we knew we need to build the whole thing. And they were our first subscriber. They also wanted us to, uh, um, they, they also figured out very quickly in the meeting that this wasn't done. They said, how much time do you need? And I, thankfully I chose to be transparent and they gave us some time to finish it, it up. Um, but yeah, we started out with a very, very simple tool. You type in an influencer name, it analyzes their audience. Um, what we quickly understood was that the real problem wasn't just analyzing the audience, it was actually discovering alternatives. Um, so we did that for millions and millions of influencers so that you can now search and flip it around. Instead of typing in a name, you search for audiences and you find thousands of options. Right. Um, so, so you basically started off with having like a really huge client. That was like your MVP was like one big client. And you said, if this one client wants it, other people would want it as well. Yeah, and, and I would pay you five hundred dollars a month. So it was a huge client, but it was, but I, I I wasn't very good at um, ex extracting value from that deal. Um, we've gotten how a lot much, better. How much would it cost them to do it now? Uh, our lowest paying clients will pay about thirty thousand dollars a year now. Our highest paying clients will pay about three four hundred thousand right now. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's concentrated closer to the most of our clients will be at the lower end, obviously. Right. Um, so how, did you get, how did you get client number two, three, uh, like how did you get your first like next three, four, five clients? Like what was your strategy? Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, I had never stepped foot in an advertising agency before um, this, but it was from that meeting with uh, that that big client. It became clear that advertising agencies are our best bet because. Um, the client said, we don't actually run any activations. Here's a, here's a list of all of our agencies, and they're the ones who actually run the activations. So um, what I did was I was working with this great guy named uh, Guy Poré. He's, uh, he's pretty well known in the community, and he was advising me, and he helped me introduce me to a guy named Ryan Berger, who's kind of like, uh, um, I'd say his family's uh, agency royalty in New York. They sold an agency many years ago. They're super connected. And I asked him if he wants to partner up. And it was one of those, those um, areas where, you know, as a founder, you just have to recognize you're out of your element. You don't know – I don't know how to get in front of these people. And I, and I looked for somebody who spent his entire life. You know, this guy, in the summers after school, he would go hang out at his father's agency. And all the people that worked for his father now run agencies. And, right. you know, he loved the idea. He was really uh, – he, he was a big word of mouth uh, proponent. He's actually the guy, if you know the – um, shake it like a Polaroid picture. He's the guy who produced that um, um, uh, deal for Kodak. Wow. Um, uh, and he's just a great guy. And, you know, initially he said, let me just help you. And um, he introduced me to some agencies, came with me to some meetings. He, he coached me on what I should be saying, what I shouldn't be saying. And at some point he just said, you know, I think I can do this better than you. And I said, I think you could do this better than me. And he's uh, been with us ever since. We're now five years together. Um uh, you know, he's, he's brought in millions of dollars of business, um, through his expertise and relationships. That was the first guy. Yeah, sorry. That was the first guy. And then, you know, he's a partner. We made him a, a partner in the company. He's a big shareholder. Um, and, and also, um, you know, once we figured out what works, we started scaling it and bringing more salespeople. Um, right. so would you say most of your business comes from SDRs and salespeople or online advertising and marketing? Today we, we get 100% of our business from uh, SDRs, direct sales, or uh, business development partnerships with companies that sell 
to our, our channel. We spend, um, last year we spent $20,000 on online marketing. Nothing worked because our product is too expensive to get people to just sign up uh, immediately unless you really get to the right person. Um, so we haven't been able to convert that way, and it's a channel that we're exploring, but um, more as a lead generation process than as getting people to directly sign up. Right. Also, I, I know I think a lot of the time startups or companies are so obsessed with online being like the biggest thing that they forget that eventually a traction channel is a traction channel, you know? And if yeah. something is working for you, you don't have to uh, be romantic about what channel you want it to work as much as you should like find the one that is working and scale and optimize on that until it plateaus yeah. and then you switch for the next thing. Well, you know, as a, as a digital marketer at heart, everybody's in love with this idea of, okay, I know I, my lifetime value is, is 10x, if I could just figure out how online to acquire people for 5x, um, yeah. and then I can pour in money, gas, and, and get this fire going, it would be great. But um, it, it's, not a fit, it's not a perfect fit for everyone. You know, we, we, we're still trying to figure it out with different experiments. But you really have to be honest about your metrics. And when you look at channels that don't work for you, um, right. until you have an idea of what you can do to make them work, don't, don't spend too much on them. And look, we're very lean. Uh, we can't afford to just pour money into a channel. We're not a, uh, extremely well-funded, huge, um, operation. Of course. Um, so I actually like the fact that you, that you know that the channel is BizDev and SDRs and it's working and you're good with it. I think it's very important again for, for a company to know what's working, what's not. And then I double down on what's working and not just be obsessed with the channel just for the sake of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel like so many people are trying to like, we're going to get lead magnets to work for us. We're going to get a CEO to work for us. Like, and if he doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, and I think it's also like a matter of stages of your company and where you're at. What, it's interesting. One of our competitors um, bought the keyword hyper on Google and, and whenever or hyper and a few other things that were related to us. And whenever you would type them in the, an ad would pop saying we're better than hyper. And oh, is that working for them? I, I don't know if it's working for them, but it's working for us. By doing that, they basically position you as the better company. Right. So I, we asked people when they sign up, how did you get here? And, and quite often it's, well, you know, I was looking for influencer marketing and on, on their ad, it also said you. So I went to check them out. But then I said, well, you know, let's check out these guys hyper. Uh, right. And I think I think it might work better if, if we were like Apple, you know, we're better than Apple. But it's not like everybody in the world knows what hyper is. And when you when you, you know, you attach it, it was an interesting yeah. uh, idea. You know, the legal team was like, let's send them a note. And I was like, no, let's let's run. Let's play this out. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's like basically they're saying this is the winner in the market. This is the person we're chasing after. You know, like nobody would like Coca-Cola would never say we're better than Pepsi. Like, they don't need to say exactly. that. But but the fourth or fifth player might say, you know, we try harder than Coca-Cola or, you know, we, we we're cheaper than they're not in those words. And that could work yeah. if you're targeting a different audience or. Uh, and it's true. Look, there is a room in the market for a cheaper alternative to hyper, which we're not planning to fill out. Um, right. because we can't, you know, I have, I have five account managers. I, I can't afford to have 20 account managers. No, of course. And, it, and it's, you know, like, like basically different prices are different markets or it's basically just like a different company, you know, yeah. selling a product for $20 a month and selling a product for 
500 or $2,000 a month. It's just not the same company in the DNA. Completely. Um, so, uh, okay. So I want to, you are the go-to person uh, to talk about how to manage, run, prepare your influencer marketing campaign. Now, actually, I have to admit that a lot of the questions that we get, get from listeners are about how to do influencer marketing. A lot of them feel like they spend a lot of money and didn't get any results, or they know they go to the influencer and then they feel like the, the, the action they made with them or like the what they wanted the influencer to do was weird or didn't work for them or they're too aggressive with it. You know, like having a, an influencer coming and say how much they love a product and it's like it becomes so sponsored that nobody actually wants to use the product. Um, so what I would love, what, what we can do in the, I think we have like 15 minutes or so. So what I would love is that you can take us a step-by-step of how would you plan uh, an influencer marketing campaign if you were right now a startup looking to do that, looking to, looking to use influencers. Guide me through the step-by-step uh, and like different crossroads and decision-making processes you would make so our listeners can later on use this exact template when they're planning their own campaign. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's start with what what not to do and what everybody is doing. Let's let's not confuse influencer marketing with celebrity endorsement. Um, oh, and, really? and we see it across all across the you know the map from big companies to small companies. There used to be, uh, there still is to a degree, but not as much. This idea that you bring in a celebrity, um, they hold a pic- your product in a picture, you post it in different places, and people. Buy your product, and that that's worked in some cases, like Smart Water and Jennifer Aniston and Nike and some athletes. Um, but it doesn't work a lot of the time for obvious reasons when you think about it. Um, right. Because look, think of, just think about yourself. You know, I, I uh, you know I love Pitbull's music. Okay, for example, do I buy products because Pitbull says this brand is cool? No, it's just not. There's no real impact. So. The first question you need to ask yourself when you run a campaign is how do I find people that influence my audience, not that are famous, not that have a big followership, but that actually my audience listens to, that they view them as thought leaders, as people that can um, – or, or th- that, that when they speak, they impact my decision-making. And you know, let's look at the, um, a classic example. There's Rachel Ray. is a famous TV show. Um on um, uh, in, in the U.S., she cooks on the show, and she talks about the ingredients that she uses, and she explains why. You know, I'm using this type of olive oil because it's super healthy and it's good, and that's influence. She also talks about what she likes to wear, um, but I don't know if that's really influence because she's not going to say anything about the brand that really convinces that it's better. So right. when you when you start looking for influencers. Ask yourself, what does my brand do? Who is the audience I want to reach? And who are the people that really matter to them? Not just as um, um, they have a lot of followers. So Justin Bieber has a lot of very diverse, very different followers. But they actually listen to. And it, it, it can be about cool factor, right? If you're trying to be a super cool product and you want somebody who's really cool to start wearing it, that can be the case. But more often than not, it's it's about people who have channels that talk about subjects relating to your product. So if it's a food-related product, it's people that talk about healthy food, talk about cooking, and their audience that's following them is that type of an audience. 
Um, if it's about being, you know, an athletic uh, product, it's about people who can actually use the product, explain to their audience why it's better than other things, why they should be using it. Inf- influencer marketing at its core is a way to increase the amount of attention that you receive from a, a generation that has an extremely limited attention span. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Would you say, uh, okay, so you talked about like understand who influences your target audience. So I have actually two questions. One is a, is a, is a, like a more of an overview, but would you say there are specific goals you can work with influencer marketing on versus other goals which you can't? Like for example, brand awareness, yes, uh, leads, no. I think it, it varies by the product. We've seen a lot of success generating downloads and generating buys through different channels. If you're working on Instagram, it's very hard to do because there's no outgoing link. But YouTube and Facebook are great channels to create conversion. One way you could do it, for example, is um, – and, and by the way, this is a general tip. Don't just fish where everybody's fishing. Everybody's doing campaigns on Instagram. Go to Pinterest if you have a beauty product. Go to um, uh, uh, YouTube if you have something that a video could work really well with. Go to right. Facebook and buy media around it. So Facebook's a great channel because you can you can create a lot of cheap content, try it out, and the ones that work you can then buy media around and and you kind of uh, reduce your risk. So. What we've seen is, for example, uh, video. Influencer marketing campaign on Facebook. Like, would you target like groups and communities, or would you still go by uh, specific people? So here's what would, what I would do if I were running an influencer campaign. I'd find influencers that resonate really well with the type of audience that I want to reach, and I do that by analyzing their audience. Okay, now I have I've used Hyper, I've used another tool. I recognize that this influencer, when they speak, this type of an audience listens. Now let's create a, bu- a bunch of pieces of content with that influencer and try them out. Put $100 okay. behind each one and see which one performs the best. A-B test them. Okay, now my second question. And then, the and then just one last time. Yeah. And then spend a lot more targeting the audiences that you know resonate with this influencer around that content. Right. Um, so my question is, is exactly in that crossroad. What kind of things would you do with an influencer? What would you have them do and what wouldn't you have them do? Yeah, so it really depends on the product. When we work with video game companies, it's very, fairly obvious. You know, play the video game, show how much fun it is. If there's a, a multiplayer option, invite people to play against you. Um, if it's a fashion product, you know, then, then do a giveaway. Have them say, you know, the first 50 that comment here, I'm going to send you a private coupon code or I'm going to chat with you. Or if it's a fashion influencer, I'm going to have a private chat with you to help you improve your style. If it's a beauty, same kind of story. So it really varies by industry. But, but think, about, think above and beyond the picture of them holding your product. It just doesn't work anymore. Nobody pays attention to it. So I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions of things that we kind of did in the past and I know a lot of people do or think about. Uh, so, for example, let's say fashion or makeup. So a lot of the influencers, what they do is that is basically they will do a video like, hey, I'm going to test out this new eyeliner. Uh, and then they're going to have a video of them explaining why uh, did they like it or not, uh, like uh, show how to use it, etc. That, like that, that is like a make sense uh, campaign. Completely, because look, it's it, it's a very basic campaign, but assuming you were smart, you picked an influencer that talks about beauty. They have an audience that's interested in beauty, and they're following. You know, I'm not going to follow that influencer because I don't care about makeup. 
but the people who do really right. care about makeup and they trust that influencer, you're going to get some results. But you really want to ask yourself, how do I enhance that beyond just that video? So let's think about the platforms. YouTube has a um, great quality is that the video stays on forever. It, it's discoverable in search. So make sure you're, you're doing the right SEO and you're using the right keywords. Um, you can promote the video. You can um, engage other um, YouTubers in the video and have them follow up. So if it's something along the lines of send me a video of how you look or what you did with this or um, – These are the things you get an influencer to do? An influencer or, or your, your audience really. Um, no, you you know what you say, like, the influencer would, would be asking, send me a video, send me your things. And would they publish it on your channel or on their channel? So what, what we've done recently, for example, is we, the influencer says, post on your, send me the link to the video on your channel. Because remember, on YouTube, we're going for videos that are discoverable in, in, in search and, and quantity of content. Um, and I'm going to comment in your comments to tell you, to give you feedback. So the influencer will basically say, I'm oh, going to watch your video. When the influencer creates the content, it's on their channel. People react and engage with their channel talking about your product. No, so, you, so the, the influencer will create the video and he'll call out to their fans and say, why don't you create follow-up videos, whatever they are. I'm going to come to your channel myself, watch your videos. So comment in, in below with a link to your video. So my question is, where do, you, how, where do you host the original video they posted on their channel or your channel? Their own channel? channels, yeah. Okay. Okay, they host the content. So uh, would you tell them what to write in terms of SEO and stuff like that? Or they do whatever, or you just basically don't interfere, let them do their own thing? It really depends. You know, look at their page. If it's clear that they know what they're doing, you don't have to help them. But a lot of them don't know what they're doing. Um, and and think about you, you need to think about this as, a, as something that you'll be using in the long run, right? Which you want to keep popping up. People will see in the future. Um, so that's specific. That's very specific to YouTube. On mm -hmm. Facebook, it's completely different because it disappears after a few days. Nobody's going to see it unless you continue to promote it. So right. depending on on what you're trying to do, you might use different channels. The key thing is that those ch those channels allow you to put links um, to your product right below, so you can track performance. You can see how well it's uh, doing. And with certain influencers, you can now also compensate them based on performance. So one of the things that we encourage a lot of our clients to do is to give away a lot of free stuff in exchange for content. Um, so we have clients in the beauty space that will send out hundreds, if not thousands, of free samples to people that they discover on the platform. And just say, if you like it, please make a video. And you know, half of them make a video, half don't. And if you make a video, we'll send you another free coupon to buy something um, on our right. store. So, we don't, so they basically don't even – they don't even uh, – uh, pay them in terms of like, uh, the, the, the those are paid, they get free products. Yeah, it's hard. Once it, getting paid is difficult, right? Because it, there's a whole deal that needs to get negotiated depending on where they are. Um, there are different tax laws and different things. So if they're not big enough, they're not going to get paid. If they're big, they're going to get paid. But um, okay. a lot of the smaller brands that we see are able to, to speak with influencers. Once you have a lot of options to speak with enough influencers to get the ones that are willing to work with you because they like the product, because they... Um, like your brand, and they're hoping to build a bigger relationship with you. Cool, right. Um, let's say that you're willing to pay your influencer. What are the things you, should, you think the brand should be looking for in the deal? What are the standards that make sense? 
Yeah, I think assuming the, the bigger you go, the more difficult it is to negotiate this deal. But as a brand, the first and foremost, you need to do your research and understand that this influencer really moves your audience. Um, um, we'll, let, let's look at some examples of things that work and things that don't work. So um, here in the U.S., um, Nordstrom's, which is a big department store, partnered with an influencer called Something Navy. She's a very, very uh, she created her own clothing line for them to sell. They sell it at the stores. It was a huge hit because all she talks about is clothing and her audience follows her because of her fashion sense and they want to be like her. Um, so basically the campaign was that she cre- like the influencer created a line that only the store sells and that was basically the partnership. It was not just like posting something on Instagram. Yeah, but of course she can she, – so, so now let's talk about what the deal included. It included her creating content for them, posting it on her social channels but also giving them the right to use it on all channels, TV, um, online, um, anywhere where her voice can be heard. As so that's a, like a huge deal, basically. Yeah, like a 360 you know, uh, deal where they control um, the content that's created for many years so that they continue to capitalize on this relationship. Um, okay. Imagine they had selected somebody like Kate Upton, who's a super – you know, she's a model. She's a um, yeah. – She's 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 got uh, probably more followers than something navy, but they're all men, you know. Right. <laughs> like like they, they all want to see her in a bikini, and that's right. all she, the, the stuff she talks about. So, selecting the right person is the first and most important thing, and making sure that they have the right audience and the right rapport with that audience. Um, the next thing is really ensuring that you have the rights to do what you need to do in order to get this campaign to be successful, which is ownership of the content, the right to repost it anywhere you need, um, the right to ensure that this influencer doesn't go and say anything bad about you later or works with a competing brand. Um, there's a great story here in the U.S. about um, Verizon, which is the the supplier of uh, one of the biggest uh, mobile phone companies, and they had this guy who would, um, on their commercials, would walk around and say, can you hear me now in all these weird places and they say yes I can hear you fine because he was on the amazing Verizon network and a few years later he went and worked with one of their competitors and the whole story is how you can hear just as well with the competitor even though it's much cheaper Um, so you have to be really careful about how you structure these deals Uh, interesting so so anyways to answer your your question what I would do is I would build that you know I would approach a group of influencers I would find the ones that are really a good fit that have the right audience for my campaign. And I would test, I wouldn't agree to pay everything up front. I would um, include a performance based uh, return on um, what they do. And I would include the ability to opt out of the deal after a short period, if things aren't working out the right way, because um, unlike say digital marketing, especially if you go with big influencers, it's very hard to test. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just did somebody left on the door. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. Oh, all I was saying is that you know, unlike um, digital marketing, where you can spend a hundred dollars and test your your banner, working with big influencers is costly and and often hard to test. So, mm-hmm. if you are going that route, I would think very carefully about how you structure the deal and make sure that you have some in and out opportunities. Um, and the ability to, to terminate the deal if things aren't working out. We have mm-hmm. seen cases where influencers lost their mind, did not perform, were wearing competing brands. So um, genu- generally, when you work with big influencers, you want to be careful and you want to um, speak with someone who has done it before. 
I can tell you as, as hyper as a company today, um, rarely recommends working with a big influencer. We think that's um, safe. That's a good use case only in very specific um, cases when you have a very, very broad product offering. Yeah, which is something that most people, when they start off, they think like it's the other way around. Like the bigger the influencer, the better it is, where it's actually the, the more targeted or the more um, the, the more focused the influencer is, the better it is. Exactly, because you're going to be paying for the audience anyway, so it might as well be an audience that might be interested in your product. Right. So I want to ask you, because we're kind of running out of time, I want to ask you this. Um if somebody would run an influencer marketing campaign, do you have any resources you think they should follow, things they should read, or anything that will give them like a better understanding of where should they should where should they start? Yeah, so unfortunately, the industry is filled with different opinions. I've been sharing my perspective on the industry. It's very different than what you would hear from most influencer marketing companies. My biggest piece of advice to them is to ask, where are the incentives? Um, if you go work with an influencer marketing company and they have relationships with a lot of influencers and their goal is to get you to hire those influencers, you need to be careful. Um, so my, my biggest piece of advice is work with someone who's not affiliated directly with the influencers because um, and whose goal is to get you the best results and who's going to earn your business based on those results. Um what happens today is almost every influencer marketplace has a roster of thousands of influencers and they limit your options, but they also recommend the ones that they need to feed because they want them to continue working with them. Right. Um, and the result is that that's all structured to raise your costs. When you, so it's basically, it's basically like if you're, if you are a TV show, it's basically you making the mistake of going in that instead of going into like a casting uh, company, you would go into like an actor's agency and ask who's your best actor. Exactly. And I think that's that's why a lot of the players in the space today, if you've seen, have been sold for very cheap or just aren't able to raise a, um, a Series right. A round or a Series B round because that's, right. it's not a sustainable business model. What you really want as a brand is somebody who's working for you. And, um, you know, if you Google how to do a proper influencer marketing campaign, you'll find thousands of articles. Most of them would have the same advice, which is, you know, find influencers that are really excited about your product, find um, influencers that have, um, you know, you know a, a high level of engagement. But those, gener those are kind of generic pieces of advice. I think what you really need to do is recognize that this is an area that requires expertise. Um, whether you bring in somebody in-house who has an understanding of how to do it or you hire somebody outside, um, it's very hard to do influencer marketing right on your own straight away. Um, we really believe in bringing in somebody in-house. We give you the tools. We'll teach them how to do it and let them do it um, once they have an understanding of how to do this business. Right. Dude, that was amazing. I think there's so many questions around this field. And usually we, the answers we get are kind of like uh, uh, the, the way you said, like, just get the biggest one or the, basically you get all these uh, influencer agents who are trying to pitch you uh, the latest trend and I just love the fact that you went like, from the other direction and saying like treat this as a targeting basically uh, like a targeting option of how to reach your audience and yeah, you know, I love the fact that you basically also said like the influencers are, are a commodity in terms of it's like running different ads in different spaces they just own like their spaces 
uh, and you have to make sure the, the, the one you want to rent in a way is the right one for you. Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, right before we go, um, this is my advice to a lot of entrepreneurs. I'll say, you know, I'm speaking to VCs. I'm speaking to uh, advisors and they're telling me this idea won't work or um, that I'm crazy. And I think if you're an entrepreneur and people aren't looking at you like you're crazy sometimes, then then you should wonder if you really have anything original. Because if everybody's figured it out, there's, there's no need for, for a startup in this space. If anybody can look at this and tell you. And when we started saying influencers are a commodity, people literally laughed. They said, what are you talking right. about? But but then we explain the audience idea and this idea, and and we think you know for the first few years that's what helped us survive. We we could have been in in that pool of dead companies too, if we had just gone the same route of you know let's chase influencers and get the best ones, and and get the ones that appear to be the best ones. So any startup, any any founder, obviously you you also might be talking nonsense, right? So definitely check yourself and and make sure you really believe in what you say, but. I think a lot of the, the best startups in the world have this story of people looked at me like I was a little funny or weird initially. So if you're, ha- if you're experiencing that, know that I did for many times and I'm sure a lot of other people did too. hundred percent. I think that if somebody really thinks that this, your idea makes too much sense, then it's basically like saying, yeah, everybody already thought about this. Or, right. Which is definitely somebody already who's doing it and is going right. to do it better with more resources. Right. And like, and like, you know, uh, there's a, uh, you know, the guys from Aleph, the VC. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, on their office, in their office, there's a huge sign saying like different is better than better. So yeah. I think that's such a great message. I think it's great, and it's it's a uh, it's a huge marketing message because, like I said, you know, there's room for a hyper for people who can't afford hyper that might do less right. but will do enough for them. So different is definitely better than better, and uh, in that it's allows you to find your niche in the audience that are really enjoy. Just make sure that your different appeals to a big enough niche. hundred percent. You know, thank you so much for joining us. You gave so much crazy amount of tips and I think our listeners would be so happy with this. Thank you. Thanks so for having much. me. So much fun. If anybody wants to reach out to me anytime, it's gill at hyperbrands.com. Uh, any questions, anything I can help with influencer, not influencer. I'm always happy to help. Amazing, man. Thanks. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, As always, if you like this episode, feel free or feel obligated even to go to our iTunes uh, page, comment, uh, review, share, tell your grandma, talk about it in your like Friday dinners. For some reason, this is what people want to talk about in your Friday dinners. Uh, And most of all, have fun. Thank you so much, everybody.